You're listening to The Thrive Podcast with your host, Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. Listen in as Kathleen shares all the things about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. She'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to help grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. I have just come back from walking the dog and I am laughing to myself. So I thought I'm going to tell you guys this story, but literally like turn the corner and this woman walks by who looks exactly like Mrs. Geist from the movie Clueless. Now, if you were born in the 80s, like me, possibly a little bit earlier and definitely part of my upbringing <laughs> was Alicia Silverstone and this movie, Clueless. Mrs. Geist. Anyway, I just ran into a person who looked exactly like her. <laughs> so that is your welcome to this week's podcast episode story. And I did force Sloan the other day to sit down and watch that movie with me. I honestly have probably seen it like 30 times, maybe more. It was really at the forefront, I think. There was this whole movement in the 90s of amazing soundtracks, like Reality Bites, Reservoir Dogs. I know I'm a little bit all over the place, but this idea of like, do you remember when the soundtrack used to be like above average? Like it was such a massive part of the film experience. And then you'd go buy the soundtrack. Do you guys remember when that was a thing? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody? Is anybody still listening? Anyway, the good old days, the good old days, my friends. So fun. Driving around, listening to these albums in the car. Oh, it was so good. Anyway, on to other topics. But I had this idea the other day. It was literally thinking, like, what would I do if I knew all the things I know now, but I was able to go back in time completely wipe the slate clean, like literally hit reset, start little bird bloom all over again, somehow magically erase all of the foibles. <laughs> but I thought, hey, if I was going to hit reset, if I was going to have zero dollars in sales, zero dollars in revenue, what would I do with what I know now? And we're going to go through this process and I'm going to map out for you the exact 10 steps, the exact 10 steps of what I would do if I was to start a flower shop from zero dollars at this exact point in time. So we're part way through 2022 as I am recording this and I wanted to sit down and go, hey, here are the 10 steps in terms of what I would do to build a profitable flower shop. And a giant caveat, because I am going to very intentionally overlook the get your business set up and your license and your registration and all of the tax lawyery contracty things. That's a bit of a given because you are starting a business. So you're going to Google how to start a business in your state. <laughs> But I'm going to just skip ahead because there are some obvious things that I just want to make sure that we really save our 10 most valuable steps 
so that you have like literally Kathleen's step-by-step, this is what I would do if I was to start all over again. And it's relevant for you if you are doing your formal qualification, have zero plans for qualification, or are somewhere in between. And even if you have already started your business, pay attention. Because one of the things that I know now (laughs) is that some of the things I did early in my business were not helpful and actually detracted, took away from my energy and effort. So when we started Little Bird Bloom, I had a totally separate job. So I started it as a side hustle. I started it off the side of my desk. And if I knew now, what is it? If I knew then what I know now, I would have done things so differently and particularly reflecting on the last 24 months of very quick customer behavior change, where I would spend my energy and my effort now in building my business and getting customers is so different, so different to what we did when we first started Little Bird Bloom. So we were one of those floral designers that decided that doing like pop-ups and market stalls was a good idea. That is not the first place I'm going to put my energy and effort. (laughs) I also assumed that I couldn't start my business until after I had finished my qualifications, even though I technically didn't even pay attention to my own advice. I still think that is true. I still think whether you choose to go to flower school, whether you choose to go for formal certification is a very personal decision. There are lots of different ways that you can get support and guidance and learn design mechanics. But I'm also going to talk very specifically about what I would do to get the business and get the money in the door. I want you to give yourself total permission in terms of what you would do to learn the mechanics and what we would do in terms of learning flower care. Those two things are going to be very personal to you. They're very specific to the kind of work you want to be creating. And it's very specific to where you live in terms of flower care and in terms of availability. And I was literally thinking the other day, like I walked into the wholesaler's cool room and I was like, I completely understand now because I've had this running joke mostly with myself that Kathleen didn't learn when amaranthus is actually in season until circa 2020 (laughs) because there is, and it ebbs and flows, but a very strong import capacity. Is that the proper phrase? Lots of flowers in Australia are imported, which I have lots of points of view on. However, as a new floral designer who is trying to learn the ropes, it makes things difficult to be able to understand like when things are actually in season. Because if amaranthus is available 52 weeks of the year, why would Kathleen ever need to know when amaranthus is actually in season? Like when it's actually locally grown. So I do love to use that as an example, but it's so fascinating just walking into the cool room and seeing like there's no label on these things. I should say there's some labels on some things. to know if something's locally grown or not. But anyway, there's a whole thing that's happening in Australia about country of origin. That's not the right phrase, but being able to label where things are coming from because it happens from a food production point of view, even now. And this is super interesting. In Australia, if you pick up a box of, let's say, cereal, 
they have to be explicit about the percentage of ingredients that come from Australia and percentage that are imported. So there's a big push on making the same thing happen with flowers because it's still an agriculturally grown product. And there is some very big value in terms of making that happen and helping educate, obviously, floral designers like me. (laughs) But also, even if there are just bunches in the grocery store or however, they're going to be merchandised for customers to have an increased awareness of the fact that much of the product that they get their hands on may have traveled many, many, many thousands of kilometers. Anything we can do to increase customer education is a good thing for our industry. So my friends, back on track, Kathleen, let's talk about the 10 steps, the very specific 10 things I would do. And this is in order. I wanted to go through these 10 steps because I know no matter where you are in your flowering journey, it's going to be helpful. Because there is a lot to think through. The details in terms of the actual logistics of getting your business set up and whatever that looks like within your country, your state, your region, your territory. There is all of the skills to be learned from a design perspective. There is flower knowledge, flower care, learning mechanics, practicing efficiency, growing a team. <laughs> like, And that's even before you get to marketing and sales and even the operations of your actual shop or workspace, or whether you choose to have a cool bot or a cool room, or you live in an environment where you don't really need to worry about the temperature too much, like not even going to talk about any of that stuff. Because those are all very like one off personal decisions, and you get to decide what works for you. So whether you're a brand new designer, this is your very first podcast. Welcome. Welcome, my friends to one of the greatest, one of the greatest little corners of the interwebs. If you're a floral designer, aspiring florist, farmer florist, anybody who wants to take flowers and build a business from it, you're at exactly the right place. If you are a new designer, I know this podcast is going to be helpful. That kind of is stating the obvious. But if you're a seasoned veteran and you're thinking, okay, our industry is changing, customer behavior is changing, Things are changing. The marketing world, the marketing landscape is getting more intricate, more complicated with every day that goes by. You're getting less engagement on your Instagram feed. You're getting less exposure. There are less people walking by your shop. Maybe the phone isn't ringing as much as you wanted to. And you're like, what do I do? How do I get orders in the door? What do I need to be thinking about? I wanted to put this together because it's going to help all floral designers be able to navigate the changing reality. And one of the things that I am so incredibly passionate about is giving floral designers and creative entrepreneurs the tools to be able to set up a thriving business and to be able to help educate and inform you and teach you the ways, teach you the ways of being able to get more orders in the door without feeling like it's going to be 100% reliant on repeat customers or reliant on having exactly the right shop front and exactly the right footprint and paying for the high street rents and all of the things that some of us, i.e. me, (laughs) we had to do. But particularly, it's one of the really kind of interesting byproducts of the last couple of years. There's like so many things. I was reading this thing the other day that it says it's going to take a decade for us to really understand all of the fallout from the pandemic. But one of the things was it has sped up the change in customer behavior by at least five years and possibly 10. 
So where I would have kind of meekly 24 months ago, 36 months ago, been like, your website's your most important business asset. Now I'm like, your business is going to die (laughs) if you don't have your website sorted and your website sorted in a way that aligns with your customer's behavior. And it's why, right, like all of the relay networks are going to continue to eat away at the business and at the industry and continue to kind of reap in all of the money that they're making because they are the ones who are focused on really aligning their offering with the customer's behavior. Now, I am going to record a podcast in a couple of weeks talking about some of the ins and outs and behind the scenes of FTD and the relay services because I want you to go in with eyes wide open because, again, we learned the hard way what it's actually like, and some of the challenges. But there are some pros in terms of working with some of the relay services. However, getting off topic, my friends. In these 10 steps that I'm going to walk you through, I'm going to make the assumption that you get to sort out your operations. You get to sort out where you're going to be doing your flowering. 100% is up to you. You get to go out and invest in your own education and your own knowledge, particularly when it comes to flower care, flower design, and you will have the help and expertise and guidance of a lawyer, accountant, et cetera, to help you actually get your business off the ground. So we're just going to kind of take all of those things off the table because those are some very business basics situations. The other thing, because I do have a strategic advantage in the fact that I have created the Flower Boss Bootcamp, and there is some very specific, very fundamental aspects of getting a business sorted that I cover off in there that I will say, hmm, it's kind of interesting that very early on in my list is like, do module, (laughs) like literally do module four. (laughs) But I'll go through that in detail. So these are my 10 steps in terms of what I would do in the very beginning of getting this business sorted. And I know that this is going to be helpful. So grab a pen and a paper and write these things down because these are literally the steps that I would go through. And the first thing that I would do is I would actually sit down and name the business. And one of the things to think about. And one of the things that I learned through this process is actually dedicating time to doing your research in terms of naming your business is incredibly valuable. And I think those of us who have landed on a business name, we don't even need to explain to people why we love the name of our business. We don't need to necessarily rationalize it. But understanding that you do need to go through your due diligence of URL availability, Instagram handle availability, and Even just doing a quick Google search to be like, if I typed in this name of a floral design business, what are the things that might come up? Because there might be in totally unbeknownst to you, there might be, I'm just making this up, but like, let's say you run a flower business that's called, well, actually, I'll just take our business name because this is part of what I did was there actually is a business in a different part of Australia named Little Bird Bloom. And really understanding like, what are the implications? What kind of business does that person run? Are they even active? Because you can search in Australia, and I think you can do this in most parts of the world, you can search up business directories, and it'll show you if they still kind of, in quotes, hold the title to the business. 
or if it's something that somebody registered a long time ago, nobody's done anything with it. This is why you might need the help of an accountant to sort through some of these things. But there are some very basic things that you get to do. And when you put yourself in your customer's shoes, it's really helpful to kind of tease apart and give yourself space to really think about that business name. And I know we get really attached to it, but there are some very fundamental things to think about. So your Instagram handle and what kind of variations, permutations, combinations might you need to think about what is available to you. URLs, which is super easy to check out. The other thing is just type in the business name and see what comes up. See if there are other businesses that are similar to it. And also say out loud your business name. And if you need to pretend like you're answering the phone, that's super helpful. The other thing, and this one I wish I had done, but I've learned this one the hard way, is spell out what you think your email address is going to be and see if you lose patience with it. <laughs> That's a super subtle one, but I just love thinking through and like teasing some of these things apart. So in the naming of your business, remember you can go in and kind of what is it like book out you could buy urls with zero intention of actually ever using them you can just go in and buy it today they're super cost effective you can also go in and just take the instagram handles if you've already thought about it and you want it just go for it if somebody else has your instagram handle and they're not very active on it of course you can reach out to them but i would never necessarily hold my breath in that instance so when it comes to naming your business those are just a few things to think through definitely I know in the States, you guys will have a whole like trademarking registration thingamajiggy. So get your accountant, lawyer, experts advice on that one. But step one in this 10 step process is to name your business. Step two, the next thing I would actually do is get my Google business listing sorted. And I know for some of you guys would be like, that seems premature. But because it can take Google a few weeks to verify your actual listing, I would put that on item number two. So as soon as you have your name sorted, go in and set up your listing on Google Maps. And you can, and I highly recommend that you actually have a Google listing, even if you have zero intention of having customers being able to actually come and find you in a studio or a workspace. There's a little box that you can check that says, I do not serve customers from this physical address. And instead it gives you the option to say, I serve customers within X mile, X kilometer radius. But literally step number two is go in and get your Google business listing sorted. You'll also start to see some of the information that you can provide, uploading photos, having your hours of operation, getting a phone sorted, linking to your website. You can start to experiment with getting your products uploaded, like getting yourself familiar with the Google business listing is super duper helpful. But there is a delay in terms of I think they send out, it's just like a little postcard and it can take a couple of weeks for that to arrive to you. So that's why I'm like, get your business listing sorted early. And if it's been a while since you've looked at your Google business listing, highly recommend that you put a reminder in your calendar for every like six weeks. Just go in and look at it for 10 minutes, upload a couple new photos, make sure the hours are correct, make sure the description feels like it's still on brand, make sure that you're kind of liking all of the content and information that is up there. And if you upload new images, it'll show Google that you're active and it'll increase the likelihood that you will be seen in the Google algorithm. 
however marginal that might be. <laughs> but step one, name your business. Step two, Google my business listing. Now, step three, I would literally jump into the Flower Boss Bootcamp after I've done the first few modules and I would go into the module around your brand. And I would go through the process that I teach you inside of the Flower Boss Bootcamp to really get clear on your overall vibe, the overall aura, the essence, the mood that you're going to put out into the world. And I do recommend that you do this super early on. And you even do because of the way that I teach you how to go through the branding work. You do that before you even think about color palettes, typefaces, branding, packaging, containers, any of that stuff. Because the way that I teach you guys to go through the brand module sets such a higher benchmark, such a higher bar that you can then start to make all of your incremental, finite, tactical decisions from there. It's so much easier to evaluate typefaces and evaluate branding when you have that version of this is the overall vibe I want to put out into the world. Because then you can start to look at like whether you're getting somebody on Fiverr, whether you're downloading logos from Etsy, whether you're creating something on Canva, whether you're a designer and you're creating yourself, whether your sister is making it for you, like it's so much easier to start to evaluate the logo. And is it a good fit once you've got your mood and your brand board sorted? So step three is I would go in and define your vibe and get your overall brand board sorted before you even get into the execution of thinking about packaging and logos and ribbons and uniforms and all that stuff. Step number four, and this is something that might feel a little bit unexpected, but I would actually set into your calendar every single week, a regular visit to your wholesalers. Now, assuming you're allowed to just go into your wholesalers and you don't have to either make a pre-appointment or you don't have to buy anything because you're allowed to go to wholesalers without the intention of spending money, which is actually such an incredible exercise. I love this idea of going back to the beginning of the business and thinking, right, I'm just going to go to the wholesalers to see what they have. And I went on different days of the week just to see and understand like what is the rhythm and what is the vibe. So I literally set a schedule for myself and I ended up going on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I went all different days. I didn't go all in one week because that's epic. But like one week I'd go Monday, one week I'd go Tuesday. And there's a definite rhythm and there'll be a definite rhythm to your wholesalers as well. Like you'll start to really understand, okay, when does new product come in? Like for us, it's like, these are the days that product gets imported from overseas. These are the days that these growers show up. These are the days that these guys show up. Oh, okay. These are the days that it's hectic. These are the days that it's like, there's not much going on. And really starting to understand the rhythm of your wholesale supply is super duper helpful. And the more you go, and again, you don't have to buy anything. But the more you go visit the wholesalers, the more you'll start to understand and just pick up on the environment, which I know for me, like I know I've told some of you guys this before, but I think it took 150 visits <laughs> to the Sydney flower market before I finally realized nobody has a clue and we're all just making it up as we go along. <laughs> But I literally had to like talk myself into that mentality because it's so incredibly intimidating walking around that space. But just knowing I'm going to go to the wholesalers, I'm just going to watch the people. I'm going to see what the like those guys who own businesses that have been around for decades. There is so much to be learned just from watching them. You don't have to talk to them. 
You don't have to say hi to them. You don't even need to make eye contact with them. You can totally just follow them around like a slightly creepy little kindergarten kid. (laughs) And you will learn so much from the way that they interact with wholesalers, from the way that they evaluate products, from the way that they greet each other. Like there's so much to be gained just by being an observer and observing how even the wholesalers manage their space. What do they get ticked off about? What are they grateful for? Who are they excited to see? Like there's so much to be learned just from observing these guys' behaviors, just saying, hi, bye, thank you. Yes, it's so helpful. So that's the fourth thing I would do is actually put into my calendar a visit to the wholesalers on a regular basis. And the first like five times you go, you're going to feel like a little kid that's like, I don't want to be here. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you'll get a little bit more comfortable. This one thought has served me so well when it comes to stepping into wholesale spaces and talking to new wholesalers and growers. Nobody, not a single human on the planet is able to predict exactly what flowers are in season on a very specific day. Obviously, if you have the expertise and experience, you're going to understand some of the nuances of like, oh, okay, traditionally, if spring is like this, then peonies are going to be available at this time of year. And if it's this warm in early spring, then maybe the roses will last this long. And obviously the dahlias aren't going to be around when the first frost hits. Like there's some level of predictability, but this idea of not a single human on the planet is able to actually with a precision of a hundred percent able to tell us exactly what flowers are in season when. So that even if you're a floral designer who has decades, decades of experience under your belt, they actually don't necessarily know any more about what's going to be available on a very specific day than I do. And it's translated into this thought of like, nobody actually knows. Nobody actually knows all of the information. And it's created such a different energy in being able to show up at the wholesale market because so many of us, like we're all walking around with the mean girl mentality, right? Like (laughs) they're totally going to call me out. I'm such a nuisance. Like how often do we walk into like a wholesaler stand or a wholesaler's place and like, we just feel like we shouldn't be there. Like we're a nuisance to them. (laughs) And it's like, that's fine. If you don't want my money, that is no problem. My friends, no problem whatsoever. I will get out of your hair just quickly. I hope that that's helpful. And this idea of like, even if these florists have been around for a really, really, really long time, they don't actually know exactly what's going to be available on a certain day, which is where their relationships pay off because they will be able to have the kind of inside scoop when the good things do come in. But fair enough, when you have been in business for that long, it's okay. (laughs) So step number four is make it a regular part of your plan to visit your wholesalers regularly. And whatever that means to you, I would say once a week is a great place to start. But if you have a wholesaler around you that operates multiple days of the week, make sure that you go in on the different days just to see, just to see what it's like on the different days. Even if somebody else has told you that Saturdays are a complete dud, go see for yourself. Because then you'll know, right, if you're ever in a pinch on a Saturday or if you've got a Monday wedding, you'll be able to have a better informed guess of what needs to happen. So visit your wholesalers regularly. Step number five is I would then go through the process of getting your website and your online catalog sorted. So one of the things inside of the Flower Boss Bootcamp is we literally have a replica website. And it's like, this is your homepage. (laughs) 
This is your online catalog. Please take all of this content, copy this, copy that, copy this, take these words. This is what's going to go here. Pull this website page up, copy this, copy this, copy this. It's all literally in there because there is so many things that we've learned over the last few years of navigating, getting your website to a place where you can actually make a lot of money with it that I don't want there to be any like, or as big a learning curve as there was for us, because it's really easy to kind of miss the mark when it comes to getting your website sorted. So we're here to make it like as black and white and straightforward as humanly possible. And it gives you a place to start, right? Like it gives you the foundation and then you can come back and continue to make it better, continue to level up, get your brand photo shoot stuff sorted, sort through all of the things that need to happen. So number five is then getting your website and your online catalog sorted. Number six is I would then go through the process of photographing your designs for your online catalog and beginning to capture content for social media. So with all of those visits to the wholesaler, that's an amazing opportunity to capture content for social media because you don't have to buy anything, but you can take a few photos presuming that the wholesalers are okay that you take photos and you post them on social media. They might want you to tag them, whatever it is, whatever their guidelines are, but just making sure that you actually start to get in the habit of capturing content for social media and capturing content for your social media, like Instagram stories, and then making a plan to learn how to photograph your work is so important these days. And I didn't realize that like learning photography was a totally separate thing, which sounds like the dumbest thing I might've ever said in my entire life as a creative. However, making time and being willing to be shitty (laughs) photography super helpful for your business. So step number six is then photographing, making a plan, going through that process of photographing your products for your online catalog and getting into the habit of capturing content for social media. Then step number seven, I, in whatever shape or form my website is in, I would push it live. Shitty first draft, my friends. This is the exact opposite of perfection. Because one of the things with your website is that it's never actually finished. So if you can get a shitty first draft out into the world and take advantage of that $100, is it a voucher? I don't know what the technical term will be. With your Google My Business listing, you'll have $100 that you can spend on Google AdWords. I think it's $100. Take advantage of that. Because if you can get your website up and running and get through the process of setting up Google AdWords, because that's where your volume is going to come from, my friends. Google AdWords at this point in time is where you're going to get the volume that you need in order to make the income and the revenue that you need in order to make your business thrive. Again, inside the Flower Boss Bootcamp, we walk you through Google Ads step by step, and there's a new training in there, new training specifically for Google Ads. So if you already have your Google Ads set up, and you're not making money off of it, if you feel like you're just spending a lot of money on Google ads and you're not seeing any progress, it's the right marriage between the right Google ads and the right online catalog. Those two things sing together. Can't have one without the other. But just sign up for Flower Boss Bootcamp and jump right into the Google ads because it will pay you back. (laughs) But step number seven is pushing your shitty first draft of a website live. Even if you're not in love with your product catalog, even if you have grand plans for a brand photo shoot, making sure you just get a shitty first draft out into the world and then make a plan to come back and make it better and set up your Google ads. Step number eight is once you have your products up and running, then set up your Instagram shopping. 
Most website platforms, specifically Squarespace, and I know for a fact Shopify makes it super simple to link together your Instagram shopping and your Shopify. There is a plugin that you can use on WordPress to all make it happy dancey, but getting your Instagram shopping sorted is then going to be one of the best ways to pay off step number nine, which is research the relevant hashtags for Instagram. The magic with Instagram is that it's not your followers who are going to turn into your first customers. It's people who find you through relevant hashtags. And in addition to that, because you've got your online catalog sorted, you're making it really easy for them to buy from you increases the likelihood of them actually converting. So step number seven is push your website live and set up Google ads. Step number eight is set up your Instagram shopping. Step number nine is research relevant hashtags for Instagram. Each one of these things is so important to getting orders in the door. And then number 10 is post to social media regularly. And I mean, five to six stories a day. And you get to define for yourself what you're going to say consistently is on your feed, but it might be something like three times a week. And again, with each one of those posts, be sure to include those hashtags so that you're getting found by the right customers. And this, my friends, is just the beginning. So these are the first 10 steps I would take because then you're going to have the forever improving thought process around your website and the six months of getting your Google ads really to the point of like always on operating without you having to really think about it, making sure that you're getting the conversion rate that you want, all of that good stuff. Always thinking about what you're going to post to social media next, never being shy about what you're going to repeat, answering your customers' questions in the captions, like step by step by step. This does not rely on you having a physical shop front. You do not even need to sign a lease on a retail space. You don't even need to worry about having a physical retail space because I would do all 10 of these things and then I might start thinking about okay, I don't know if I want to be doing this at my kitchen counter. I'm going to start looking at alternative solutions for a shop or studio space, but only after I've gotten all 10 of these things happening. And this is where everything is turned on its head. And this is where Kathleen went so wrong. (laughs) Like I was so obsessed with the shop front space and I was so obsessed with the pop-ups and the market stalls and everything that the website was like an afterthought. And now it's like, oh, right. Think about your website being the hub of your business. And then if you choose to have a physical retail shop, if you choose to have somebody in a space that's going to be delivering, serving customers like face on, that becomes like the next project that you tackle. But I totally had it backwards, right? I was like, if I have a physical shop front, then I'll be legitimate. And now it's like, no. The vast majority of your revenue, your high value orders, your high value customers are going to come online. And that means that having your website as the hub of your business, it's where you're going to get that revenue from. One of the biggest byproducts coming out of the global pandemic is that customers are so much more comfortable now ordering from businesses where they haven't actually been in store yet. So you get to translate all of your goodness, all of your value into the online space. And having a website that you feel represents your business and having a social media plan that represents your business is so important these days. So those are my 10 steps, my friends. 
Let's go back and just revisit. Step number one is name your business. Then get your Google business listing sorted. Define your vibe and get your branding board done. Then start to make a plan to get out to your wholesalers on a weekly, if not more often basis. Set up your website and your online catalog. Photograph your designs and start capturing content for social media. Push your website live and set up your Google ads because that takes a while to actually click in. It takes a while for Google to learn what a conversion looks like and making sure that you have the right strategy for your online catalog married with the right tactics in your Google ads is like recipe for goodness. Once you've got your website live and your Google ads sorted, then set up your Instagram shopping. And then immediately off the back of that is to sit down and look through and do the job, do the work of capturing and looking at what are the relevant hashtags that you're going to associate with in your business. Again, it's going to have everything to do with your local area and the destination and florist. So it might be like hashtag Chicago florist, hot tip, look up both and actually use both hashtag florist Chicago, hashtag Chicago florist. Some customers look one way, some customers look the other. You're welcome. And then number 10 is getting the routine of posting social media regularly. And then you're going to start to get into your kind of always on business management. But those are the 10 steps that I would take at the very beginning of my flowering business setup. And that is in addition to learning about seasonal availability, learning about flower care, learning the design mechanics to allow you to create the work that you want to create then thinking through your packaging and your logo and your branding and all the things that are actually super fun. And I know I was so obsessed with in the beginning, but I realized, oh, those are items like 11 through 20. (laughs) So I hope that this has been helpful, my friends. I hope that it's been really helpful for you to understand. Like if Kathleen was to start from $0, if I was to hit absolute reset and start a flower shop from square one today, These are the exact 10 steps I would go through. And I would 100% delay the decision around shopfront, workspace, all that stuff until after I'd gotten these 10 steps sorted. Because you can always announce to your customers that you have a shopfront opening at a later date and really celebrate it. So good, my friends. But really getting comfortable with understanding your website and Google ads, Instagram shopping, your Instagram hashtag strategy sorting through your brand, getting your business listing sorted, obviously naming your business. Super important. Okay, my friends, it's so fun to think through. If you haven't thought through, if you've been in business for a while and you haven't thought through, if I was to wipe the slate clean and start over again, what would I do? I'm not going to lie. It's been so incredibly fun because you will also really start to understand how much you've learned how many problems you've overcome, how much frustration you've endured, how much irritation, disappointment, annoyance has been part of the ride. And then off the back of it, you get to be really proud of yourself at wherever you are on your business journey. Okay, my friends, drive safe, have an amazing week, drink some water, get some sleep, and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye for now.